Two years ago, on the Feast of the Ascension, I and one of the other brothers were visiting Paris for a couple of days. It was the last leg of a canonical retreat in preparation for my solemn profession. Arriving at our accommodation just two blocks away from the Gare du Nord station, we knew we had made a mistake. In a whirlwind of guests and hip young staff members, we discovered our hotel turned out to be the most popular youth hostel that side of town. This news came as a rather rude awakening, both figuratively and literally. The nightclub beneath our room hosted several bands throughout the evening and into the next morning, three o'clock in the morning to be precise. Closing the windows was minimal help and only made the summer heat more stifling. Fans were available for purchase. All things considered, though, it was still possible to pray with the Roman breviary. We were also able to attend Mass in every one of the cities, at one of the city's many beautiful Gothic churches. We hear of a similar kind of experience of communal prayer in the readings all throughout the Easter season. The book of Acts describes the apostles returning to Jerusalem after the ascension. The Lord himself commanded them to remain there for some time. So the noise and daily happenings of city life were not foreign to the early church. We know also from the book of Revelation that she will descend from heaven at the end of time as a royal city. From Jerusalem to Constantinople to Rome and elsewhere, we can discern a recurring pattern in the church's liturgical life. At the very beginning, she has chosen to gather in spaces much like our own city of Chicago. The symbol of the city reminds us that God does not spurn the human condition. He works in tandem with his creatures to recreate it from the inside. The admonition of the two angels from today's reading help us to unpack this. Men of Galilee, they announce, this Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. If we follow the end of Luke's gospel, we see the apostles immediately go to pray in the temple. But why? After all, Jesus was taken into heaven, so why go back to Jerusalem? In their desire to cling to this Jesus, Israel's true Messiah, the apostles flock towards the next best thing, the earthly tabernacle. Their keen sense of symbol and sacrament, inherited from a Jewish emphasis on divine cult, is the key to understanding their action. Jesus did not come to abolish what God had set up from the beginning. He came to fulfill it. Likewise, does the apostles' decision to gather in the temple demonstrate the liturgical instinct of the early church? God indeed dwells with human beings, now no longer in one physical place, but in the true temple of Jesus' mystical body. And this body is made manifest in the liturgy. Christ will indeed return in the same way that he ascended, in every baptized Christian. Not only these, but in the sacraments, in icons, in water, in wine and oil. The Paschal candle, for instance, conveys the present reality of the resurrection and ascension in our midst. 
Even the buildings in which we worship signify the presence of Christ. The proliferation of churches and liturgical ceremony intuits something of God's compatibility with our own nature. While our Lord is not limited to any physical place, his incarnation links him to our need for community. I understood this most while praying the Roman breviary in the bustling centers of activity in Paris. Despite the overwhelming sights and sounds, we were still in the presence of the Father, whose silent word was interceding through us. The city is a contrast of light and darkness, prosperity and poverty. Perhaps this explains why the city is a perfect symbol for the Church, both as she is now and in her future glory. After all, where better to find the presence of suffering than the streets and alleyways of the city? Where better to find the greatest examples of human ingenuity and beauty than in its architecture and infrastructure? Cities are the earthly image of the heavenly Jerusalem. Yet while the two are distinct, both exist as opposite sides of the same coin. This means that our present world will be the stage on which a new heavenly and a new earth emerge. All that we can see around us is making its progress to a great eschatological dawn. Whether we acknowledge or not, this world as we know it is passing away, but not without hope. The crucified, risen, and ascended Lord reveals this in his own person. See, his wounds now radiate with light. Where there was once barren earth, there will be an abundant harvest. Where once sickness and poverty, there will be health and spiritual riches. Where once dilapidated dwellings, there will be many mansions in the Father's house. Today's feast reminds us of who we are and where we are going. Every time we gather to pray, even now, our voices and our hearts unite us in the ascent of Jesus to the Father. The power of God at work in the body of, of, of the Church will in time consummate all things in Christ. Sin and death will be no more. May this grace then move our hearts to cooperate with God's plan for universal restoration. May he refashion us and the world according to the pattern of his risen Son, to whom be glory, honor, and dominion, now and in every age. Amen.